0: Oh, hello, hello. It's another Copenhagen Dispatch. Uh, We are still together in person, which if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you'll know that's something of a rarity because George and I usually record these long distance, so is it pleasant to be in the same room with me? George just looked with a closed mouth (laughs) and no...
1: Expression at all on his face. Eyes oh, rolled into the back of my head.
0: Um, we've spent a really nice day, uh, few days here. We've had our friends come out, our Oxford crew. Uh, we've done canal bike rides. We've ate pastries. We've seen graves of dead philosophers. Um, we've done it all, uh, and we've, uh, yeah, we've had a really lovely time. And now everyone's gone, and it's just me and George. I've got to leave for a flight in about an hour so crowbarring one of these in why not why
1: not slap a podcast (laughs) together while (laughs) we're at it dedication we give to them isn't it yeah um if you miss your flight though they'll really appreciate that
0: yeah if i miss my flight i flipping hate this bloody podcast Mm -hmm. um the uh so me and george were chatting and something that came up in our various
1: discussions what came up because i read an article on the bbc international website which at the very least i'd say the bbc website is a real touchstone for a lot of british people's kind of news consumption even if you don't agree with i guess their perceived editorial stance either way that that could be perceived or whatever it's sort of you just default to going on bbc.co.uk yeah when you're living outside of the uk you are kind of foisted onto bbc.com and it's different international advert driven <laughs> agenda which oh, really? is yeah a, a different beast to deal with but anyway that's a little it. slice of home though isn't it well is it it feels different when it's the international one it's like this is the international voice of the bbc yeah but you don't get that anymore <laughs> the international voice of the bbc is like geordie now yeah yeah you that's know? true um uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, but um, <laughs> I have to weasel my way into the cricket coverage to really feel like I'm at home, but anyway, uh, that was a digression. Uh, BBC.com uh, had a had an article about YouTube's most viewed music videos of 2019 so far, and before we went out to meet a friend last night, I kind of rattled off, rattled off the top ten in reverse order, and listeners of this podcast, I would assume, would... Would know that well. I'm certainly really clued up on, or at least try to follow what's happening in contemporary music. You're a big music listener as well. It's not. It's not something that I would say I'm completely out of touch with.
0: Yeah, you're you're more in touch than I am. But yeah, I think we're both not out of touch with. Yeah, I would say know, the difference is I
1: feel like I read daily blogs, you know, yeah. or daily updates. So in, in touch in that sense. Not I know more. Just I keep my finger on what's happening day to day.
0: Yeah,
1: I was. Um, I was kind of astounded at how how I just did not know really any of these people. Yeah, it's so. What is it? It's YouTube's most viewed music video of twenty nineteen. So seven seven months worth of viewing, and the lowest number ten. I'm not going to read them all off, but Nicki Jam and Azuna with a song called Terabare, uh has three hundred eighty four million views at at time of publication, kind of thing. Um, the sm- Yeah, the smallest is nearly 400 million views. The top is 1.15 billion. That's a song by Daddy Yankee called Con Calma. Never heard it. Never heard of it. Never heard it. The only track on this list... <laughs> a
0: billion views as well. The
1: only track on this list that I've heard of, I don't think I've heard, is Seven Rings by Ariana Grande.
0: Yeah, and truthfully, most of these artists I've never heard of, we did say... Some of
1: them are, like, Indian artists
0: and things like yeah. that, so they're obviously international, but... Um,
1: well, they all... I mean, on this list, two, two are Puerto Rican, two are Indian, Spanish, two are South Korean, one's Colombian, and two from the USA. So it is a very international mix that will come into yeah. this conversation. And obviously, I
0: know... I have heard of BTS. Obviously, I know some of their music. They're, like, that, uh, the K-pop phenomenon that sort of has bled over,
1: but it's still... As are Blackpink
0: yeah Um, and and I guess what this this sparked is a discussion is is I kind of made the point like we kind of said we're two people who know think like to think we know about what's going on and and in music and things and yet the most viewed things we have absolutely
1: no idea what most of them are and haven't heard the song so it's like what I found interesting about that um lack of contact as well as we spend a lot of time on YouTube it's not my dad doesn't know these because he only listens to music on the radio and YouTube's a technology too far to him I spend hours on YouTube every day yeah yeah so do I I guess algorithm yeah you more than me I guess algorithm led music recommendations these things never come across my yeah and it's the idea that so we sort of said
0: are we are we just getting a little bit older and out of touch or is it now that There's such a fragmented... The internet... Something can be so popular on the internet that it has a billion views, and yet you could go and talk to most people on the street today, we'd mention name, and people would just go, I've no idea what that is. You could have a YouTuber who's said to be the biggest YouTuber on YouTube, and you, you know... Okay, a bit recently, someone like PewDiePie has made news for different reasons, controversies, but still a lot of people over a certain age no idea who PewDiePie is, never seen his videos, don't know. Yeah. Maybe they've heard the word. And he's one YouTuber who's the most popular. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we said, is culture just that fragmented now where it's just that... Or, or the internet is just some different beast where something can be really popular on the internet and not penetrate into the, quote, real world at all where most average people don't know about it. Or is it that, you know... Yeah, is it just that there's no such thing as a monoculture anymore? There's no singular zeitgeist where I, uh, something.
1: I had to jump and just get myself a dictionary definition of monoculture, and it's yeah, sure. descri- described as on Google as the cultivation of a single crop in a given area. So that that's not the term I was hunting for, <laughs> but um, there have been. Many, there's an
0: alternative definition. Many articles have been written asking over the last decade about whether monoculture is dead. And what we mean by that is there's an idea that at least there used to be a singular zeitgeist where whether it's a, a Beatles album or a particular movie that everyone saw or a particular um tv you know certain tv watching on the days where there weren't many channels and everyone watched the a certain bbc program or doctor who whatever it was in the in the heyday um that that everyone would know about it and everyone the next day would be talking about it and understand it and now you can have something that maybe millions and millions of 15 year olds across the world are all aware of and obviously a video gets a billion views and yet in the wider culture it has no penetration whatsoever and no one has any idea what you're talking about unless you're talking about maybe three or four artists like Ed Sheeran who your mother knows about. So when we Adele. talked about this
1: yesterday, we I think we did agree but we came at it from quite different positions. I think your feeling was that there isn't one of these... M- or isn't a monoculture
0: Yeah and I, and I, I pointed to something probably like is. Yeah I think George George Woodmore argues there is I think there's things that are seen as very culturally Important that very few people Have even been aware of And you know something like Something like Mad Men is a good example Where I think it is a show that has been Very well regarded critically Won a bunch of awards The people who see it really like it And talk about it and yet If you actually in the wider world on the and the wider scheme of things, practically no one has actually seen Mad Men. So why on a do numbers you? Basis. So
1: why do you pick that as the, the uh, as an example of a way that a monoculture would be defined? Surely the, de- surely it would be the people who are. Not watching that, but collaborate around something else would be the monoculture, right? Like some kind of self self interested—I want a better phrase—critics, an, an audience of two and a half million people, and an, an American prize giving body. Why is th- I'm not saying this like to argue, like yeah. why is that? Why is that the thing that defines the monoculture? Not well, the hundred million people who are watching the Avengers film. I guess that's just no. the monoculture.
0: Well, right? and that's that's where the debate comes in because I think we've had. I I may even argue and and I don't know I go back and forth on this but I think in some ways the the monocultural things that happen now are strange anomalies that are so big that like the Avengers feels like this bizarre unusual anomaly for how modern movies are now where modern movies just don't don't seem to have that even ones that win oscars get loads of prestige something like moonlight most people didn't see moonlight and and it you know but something like the avengers is this unusual thing because it felt like for at least a month it felt like the whole world had gone to see avengers and and that was almost an unusual thing Or, or say like an ed sheeran album the you know uh, I mean they've all been huge but say like Shape of You right one of the, probably the biggest songs of the last decade it's almost like that it's like the last it's almost like the last vestiges of a monoculture where like they spring up now and then but maybe I I didn't live through the 60s and 70s but I imagine something like say a Sgt Pepper I imagine there was a time where that that was extremely definitive and a cultural artifact that everyone Was louding and praising, and everyone had listened to and had an opinion on, and it would have been a very, you know, a big part of the conversation. I I agree that that's the case
1: because there would be fewer means to, uh, like, imbibe culture. So everyone would listen to the radio or watch TV show top of the pop. We're talking from a UK perspective, those kind of things. But the thing about films, what? How many of the The highest grossing films of all time are going to be films from the last 15, 20 years. A lot of them, I would say. And that would be because India and China are also watching the films that we're watching Mm -hmm. in the US. So that is almost more testament to a global monoculture. If the Avengers, Transformers and Jurassic World films kind of smash the box office across multiple countries, Game of Thrones, right? There are still these big moments. And I think if you look back at the 60s, we're just remembering the ones that have survived. There's loads of things that fell by the wayside that would be equivalent to madmen or I didn't fall by the wayside but didn't get the, the grand lording it got. But if you're talking about something just well received critically, then that that isn't a prerequisite for it for it to be excuse me, that isn't a prerequisite for it to be part of a monoculture anyway, surely. It's just, you know, broad um uh, sort of consumption is the prerequisite. So it's almost like
0: so I, I guess maybe there's a distinction that that we're talking about, I guess maybe I'm trying to talk about things that I think will last okay. and they're not transient and, and maybe it's that a lot of the monoculture things that become huge phenomenons are actually, are actually things that might be quite transient and look sort of like, oh remember when a billion people went to see the Avengers or whatever? But no one really talks about it much now. Do you think now, the physicality um,
1: of it is a factor? So we're, we're sat in a flat in Copenhagen, that mm-hmm. we're subletting from a friend of a friend, someone I've never met before. You look over your shoulder at his record collection, he's got the Sgt. Pepper album. You know, he's got those. The Ariana Grande Seven Rings isn't being bought as a physical totem, right? So in 20 years, something that was big on YouTube, what what's it kind of grounded in? If, if the YouTube platform went under... Unlikely, but if that were to happen, then what what is left of it? Yeah, there is something
0: to that where it's the the disposability of certain things can make them feel less like like it can just all feel like it's just another thing on on the pile, right? Like streaming services can make you feel like that. A film comes out on a streaming thing, you you just put it on on that, and then eventually it disappears, and it's kind of. I remember when that TV show was on Netflix or thing, and maybe there is something. I, I mean. It, it may just be that it's super hard to see from your current context in the present how something is going to be looked at in the past, and maybe things in the past look like because
1: you know is, a, is a big landfill. Every the past, the prerequisite of being part of a monoculture.
0: I don't know because every ten years or something, twenty years, a big land. Everything gets dumped in a big landfill site, right? And then from any decade, there's like a ha- a handful of great TV shows, music movies or whatever that are kind of left as like the the matrix in the 90s yeah. um you know something like that fight club or whatever big cultural things but it um maybe it is just you look back and it all makes more sense but it definitely feels like now there's a kind of there's a kind of ultra niche culture where there, there, there might be in the biggest net where there's some huge crazy thing like a marvel thing that there, there are these like big global phenomenons but there's kind of also like a hundred or a thousand niches that are like that are also popular in their own right and might get a hundred million views or a youtuber that's super popular get hundreds of millions of views all the time but they're not they're not there's no cultural awareness of them in a sort of wider scope and that's quite unusual where they could be making millions they could be making a crazy living they could have so many fans across the world but they they don't have any actual. There's no knowledge or penetration of them into the the wider sphere and, of and culture. no need
1: for it, right? But
0: right, so they don't have they it, So exist. they have an audience that's maybe bigger, may, may way more massive than some band from like the 70s that were big at the time. Yeah. It was huge worldwide, and they could tour. They could go and fill stadiums or fill massive rooms by touring, and yet they're just seems like they're just some YouTuber who doesn't. Most people aren't aware of what who they are, what but they could do, and
1: just say, well, that is. For for that, I would it sounds kind of false, maybe to say, but I would say there are multiple monocultures. If that could you explain it? that? Well, as in generationally, maybe like a sort of collaborating round a point. I th- we don't have in the same way now like um, movements mm. like youth youth subcultures in the same way. I don't think there's really been a huge youth subculture since like. The gothy grunge movement, probably. Right. And um, so a lot of people are kind of in the same well, almost. So that can then splinter off a little bit. But if a hundred million people, you know, or a billion people are watching a video, that's that's in of itself a kind of monocultural yeah, group, right? Yeah, I guess... It's enough, the numbers are high enough that you could just say, well, that is the monoculture. It's the people who are sitting and watching all these like content the Grande video. Yeah, I I would say in a way that could be one and then the then there's the sort of not engaged with the internet but watches terrestrial television and the blockbuster culture. That is that is another big grab bag of a lot of people. So, I don't think there's ever been one sole monoculture. Right, of everything if you if you see what I mean. I wonder if the youth used to be
0: as Fragmented as now, or if like say like when punk was big at some point, was it was it really ubiquitous where every young but per- obviously not every young person was a punk, but was it kind of it's like you knew you were in that that's the movement we're in now, mm-hmm. or we're in like synth eighties, you know, or whatever it is. So like, was it very clear what, or we're in seventies hippie time now? Was it very clear, or were they just like there's metalheads here, there's
1: these you know well, I think there'd big like like soul people competing and like, conflicting youth movements through right. the 60s and the 70s definitely concurrently um, and even through to the 80s to even the early 90s I think it's the, the most sort of last the last 15 years that that's not been as clear cut I would say yeah because um, people still define like a 60s cultural
0: revolution as a certain kind of ideals, things, they stood for kind of the touchstone points or a 70s hippie, but that
1: whatever. But that's us just looking, N- yeah, while it was happening, that our grandparents wouldn't have been hippie, you know, it would be a relative minority of people, young people. Right. Um, it wasn't everyone, of course, maybe everyone, quote-unquote, would listen to the Beatles, but beyond that, uh, my grandparents would be listening to like Engelbert Humperdinck or something, you know, right. or like Liberace. Right. It's, and millions of people would be so there are you know there's enough cultural content to support multiple interest groups yeah i think we are once again talking at slightly different purposes or slightly cross purposes because i think are you talking about the things that will survive as the kind of icons and totems of what culture was now well
0: that's that's what may be coming up here is the difference is that it may be that what (laughs) it may be what's in the monoculture and is sort of you know super crazy popular today like say something gets billion views may just become like sort of cultural detritus tomorrow and it's something that looked relatively niche or special interest that is like people go oh wasn't that like that show that no one watched at the time was really important or or really like and and maybe later it looks like more influential It, it lasts more like say something like Gangnam Style right that was crazy hit at the time it's like maybe when we look back it's like people might remember it as a cultural kind of touch point it's like oh that was when YouTube culture really like did something but it might not be the song might not be like an influential song or it might it might just be
1: seen as like a silly novelty thing we spoke in our previous podcast about how our generation and sort of contemporary society's attention span has sort of fallen into the toilet somewhat so I wonder if that is also a factor it's just the kind of mechanisms technology and means that we use to take-in culture is, is literally you swipe it away. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have to pick up a piece of vinyl, put this on a deck, you know, clean it, you know, you have to go through more of a ritual when you want to put on the Sgt. Pepper vinyl, and it yeah. kind of embodies itself more. But, oh, this quirky song from Korea, that was funny. Funny little dance, swipe. Tomorrow it's gone. That's true, and, like, I guess memes, viral things are all
0: based on, like, you need you need to get it the point across quickly yeah. to get most people. And... That's not... You know... I'm, I'm, by the way, not a pessimist about this whole... Um, it... Either, I think in some ways now is... Has a superior... Is a superior time in that people can access more of what they actually like. and And, you know, niche... There's more providers to, like, provide for a niche culture. Like, even in gaming, right? Which I'm very into. It's like, in gaming, there's now a whole subculture within gaming of people who like retro style games and there's a whole indie gamer scene that is massively thriving where like small developers make games that are very much inspired by old 2D like Nintendo games for people who are like I still like playing old-fashioned games that like side-scrolling you know platformer it's like oh there's studios now that make them and cater to that audience well there's that plus you
1: can get all of the historical games Right. So every yeah. gener- well, every year there is just more culture for everyone to absorb. Yeah. It just keeps getting added to.
0: And and so in some ways it's it's a better time now where you can have a creator just make I'm going to make the podcast for knitting, all right? Or I'm going to make the podcast for enthusiasts of a particular kind of uh, niche horror movie and all my podcast's going to be is all about that for people obsessed with that. And and in some ways that's good in in that you can just have these extremely separate crowds who are just like, here's my cluster over here from around the world, and instead of me being the one weirdo who's obsessed with Doctor Who season four in my town or whatever, I can now yeah. connect with people all over and have our little community. But that's not,
1: that doesn't like, exclude the idea of there being a monoculture concurrent to that. You could N- still, no, it- you know, buy into an indie game niche little network, but go, oh, the biggest book of the year was Fifty Shades of Grey, and everyone saw the Avengers film, and Ed Sheeran's really big.
0: Uh, yeah I guess that I guess it just seems like people uh, there's less yeah I don't know I don't know if, if it's about the way people engage with that or or if that stuff just kind of washes over and is just part of the it's there but there's also people I guess maybe is it more possible to just never interact with that at all now and not and like there's just people like sorry we we'll never interact with like, the main zeitgeist the, yeah the Avengers like one of the biggest films ever and that but there's still meet loads of people who are just like I've never seen a Marvel film oh, don't yeah. know I've never seen a Marvel film right before. they're just like I've barely seen a Marvel film don't really know much. and it's like it is possible to just kind of like live in your your happy bubble and sort of have not even it's not like oh my god you weren't watching BBC 2 last night and still that but it's, also it's in just that 19- oh I don't watch Marvel films oh okay there's no like expectation that you are keeping up or but following this I think that would be the of,
1: same in the 60s too there would be there would be loads of people going oh, I've not heard the Beatles Albums. I'm not interested. There would still be loads of those people. Right. We just, we just remember them as being sort of iconic and totally. We just sort of remember because, the cool stuff because it lasted. Sort yeah. Of, yeah. I, I guess so. But I, th- I think for my kind of definition or understanding of is there a monoculture? I think there's a majority or at least a sort of significant number of people who would be watching the same tv shows at roughly the same time going to the cinema to see a certain number of films at the same time the big book of the year would be bought and read by that demographic and they sort of overlap in a venn diagram and the middle of that venn diagram is the kind of monoculture that that continues to permeate
0: yeah there was a there's a there's a description of what someone calls um massive musical moments um and it's in a article on salon but they say um in these massive musical moments an album becomes so ubiquitous it seems to blast through the windows to chase you down until it's impossible to ignore it but you don't want to ignore it because the songs are holding up a mirror and telling you who we are at that moment in history um These sorts of moments can't be denied. They leave an indelible imprint on the collective memory. When we look back at the year or the decade or the generation, there's no arguing that the album had a huge impact on us. It's pop music not just as private joy, but as a unifier, giving us something to share and bond over. And I guess you can... You know, obviously that's a bit of a
1: grandiose
0: description. Yeah, as I like probably... the Adele album was really popular, I but I disagree
1: with that in retrospect as well because you would say the early '90s is defined by Nirvana. Never mind, but there is a grand number of people who would be sort of antagonistically against. Right. So to here's an music. interesting here's an interesting distinction from that decade.
0: You could say the monoculture thing in that decade was more people were crazy about the Spice Girls, yeah. and. And yet, Nirvana would have this kind of cultural. If, if people thought the '90s, they would, they would probably put Nirvana as something important, maybe more important. they kind musically. of the extremes of the decade, and they'd say, "Well, they influenced loads of artists going forward, and they're they're kind of a band where music progressed and people progressed further from that." Right. Whereas the Spice Girls, people might say they were a phenomenon. Yeah, and you know, I'm not to take away from the Spice Girls, but it, it, it's just people may see them differently as one being. Populist, and one being that oh that was defined a culture. Yeah, and I, I but I don't know which one then you call.
1: Yeah, I, I guess this is where the monoculture thing is I would never, put, I would never put Nirvana in the monoculture. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. Right, um, but they also are sort of positioned as slightly antagonistic to right. or different from the monoculture. The to me the monoculture is the Fifty Shades of Grey book that when I worked in Waterstones shifted a gross number of copies or the Harry Potter book or the uh, Stieg Larsson Millennium Trilogy that book like every year for the last sort 10-15 of, years there's a big book like that Gone Girl that's kind of the monocultures book of Brian. the year it would be the Avengers film or Titanic or Gladiator or just like a big film that draws everyone in
0: it's like mm-hmm. in a roundup of that year you'd have to say that thing, yeah isn't? Yeah, because the Nirvana thing would be if you go back though, telling the story of the nineties, mm-hmm. people would probably put a lot of weight on Nirvana. They'd probably put like a weight on boy bands and girl bands in general as a thing. But you, you know, a lot of people would be like, "Well, influential mm-hmm. grunge and Nirvana." But like you say, well, lots of people were not listening to Nirvana, at the, time. and the
1: monoculture is not necessarily what does the influencing. It's I mean, you could, you could make a kind of tangential argument that the Spice Girls are a product of something like Nirvana because they're a product of riot girl bands and kind of punk girl right. attitude bands sort of made pop-friendly and a little bit more bubblegummy. So there is, there is a narrative from one to the other that I think you can follow quite quite clearly. But, but the one that my nan would have heard and my four-year-old cousin would have heard isn't the thing that influenced them. Right. And it's the thing that everyone could have a conversation about. And I think that probably does. It does still exist now. I think there are still those things. Music, music of all of these things is the most fragmented because of the way it's consumed and how short and consumable it is. But I isn't it also the thing where, like, isn't it also the
0: thing that crosses generations in that? Adele would be listened to by 15-year-olds and your mum or something. Would it not also be...
1: Some But only the monoculture thing. Like, because 15-year-olds and grandmothers aren't going to be listening to, I don't know, Vince Staples, right? And yeah. He's not listened to by an older generation of people. No. So it's just those big, broad brushstrokes ones, and there's one or two, Ed Sheeran, yeah, Adele. I don't know who the others would be, but there's a couple, and that's sort of enough to define what a monoculture is. Right, I would say if you can do a through line of these couple of films, books, songs, TV shows, that's sort of enough. Um, they don't have to be the ones that are remembered in thirty years when we define this decade,
0: right? Yeah, uh, and I yeah, I guess if you can say well, there's a there's a kind of mass certain things there's a mass awareness of, it's just it it is strange to me this idea that when you told the story of the decade, probably the things people pluck. 10 years later will be different mm. to that. And they'll be different to what, you know, you might hear about things that were in crazy popular in the 50s, maybe some music hall act that was like mm-hmm. the biggest thing ever, and no one knows what that is. Yeah. Um, but people talk about Frank Sinatra or whatever. Right. Um, but,
1: uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's... To me, it's kind of they're the things that if you met a stranger and you took a punt on saying, have you seen, have you heard, have you read, you're kind of... Hit, There's more chance that will have read, oh, have you read the last Harry Potter book? There's more chance that that will have been read than, I would say, like a culturally significant novel from this decade that we've talked about before, say the Edward St. Auburn books. They're they're not like a monocultural interest object. They might be remembered as the significant literary fiction of that decade, but chances of it, you know, you're better off saying, have you seen the Avengers than have you seen... phantom thread or moonlight or something a little bit more niche
0: right yeah i guess what there's less of now though is if something's beloved say by critically and by like the the quote sort of more i I don't know the gatekeepers the sort Mm. of elite gatekeepers they it's like they don't get to define anymore what's important and not it's almost like there might be a difference between what's beloved critically and stuff and then just like what's actually like like for example maybe maybe in you know, older times when there was only a few big publishing houses, they could almost decide,
1: yeah, these are the books that are going to be released this year. These are what's going to be pushed. Well, if Kim Kardashian tips any old book out of the air and says, this is what I'm reading on my holiday. That will have far more impact than if Harold right. Bloom and, and like if it some was, big critics right. pick it. And if it was up to gatekeepers, like 50 Shades of Grey might
0: have never got published, right? Sure, it was yeah. self-published and became its own phenomenon. So it's like, in some ways it's kind of like the culture's blown open by like, whatever decides is, uh, But it's funny that
1: that list of YouTube views still means that as disparate as it is, people still do funnel onto exactly the same platform. And, you know, 1.1 billion people have gone onto the same YouTube platform to watch that song. It's not... It is really disparate, but it's also... There's kind of four or five key... You know, YouTube is the gatekeeper there. Right. Um, and, And they sort of have... Well and then have the means to manipulate the advertising they want to do or what that recommends further on. So it's not like, oh, E.O. James self-published and all these songs are published independently and separately on independent platforms. They do all once like return back into a certain spot, don't they?
0: Yeah, and I guess, uh, yeah, I, I just think there's more, there just are more portals through which that sort of thing can happen now where, but you know, it, it is, for example, what I find interesting now is someone could be, to, to, to one person, uh, a YouTuber or someone could be the most famous person they think of. Mm-hmm. could be like, oh my God, if I saw him on the street, I'm going to go mental. Oh my yeah. God. And like, someone could go, why are you going mental? Who's that? Like, it's, mm-hmm. and, and that's what's interesting to me is the fragmentation of people's uh, attention. And, and like, it's not like, oh, Cary Grant's walking down the street. Everyone knows him. It, it could just be someone who is unbelievably famous to uh, three million people online. And to the rest he's just some guy. Yeah. And that's an interesting change that I think didn't that exists now because there's these ways that people can build their crowd, get discovered in a specific, you know, uh, and that's what I that's what I think is fragmented, is where the concept of like who's famous and who's not, in, in some ways, is not is not one singular idea. There there are these like titans um, an Ed Sheeran or something, but there are just these people who are incredibly famous in their own strange, mm. small niche. To, but then and to
1: I, the people that follow, you know, a sort of a famous cricketer who walked down the street in India would be kind of mobbed and carried aloft. You know, no one here would know who that yeah. is. Yeah. So I just think there's exists, more of it so, now. Yeah. I just think it's more of it where but that wouldn't would have been true. If you're you would have
0: had many opportunities to get that before, where you would you were either on BBC One, Two, or you were in the film, or your you know your your albums playing on the top of the pops, but there wasn't like these ways people could just cluster.
1: Around no, not here. not as accessibly. I think there's always been kind of like special interest groups with huge audiences. You know, sort of I guess like Baptist belt, like Bible Belt America. Like there's these like super grand <laughs> right. preachers, right. so famous to so many people, make loads of money, huge audiences. I wouldn't have a clue mm-hmm. who those people are. Mm-hmm. So the The medium definitely enables now far more access to those things but what I would then say is if we were just saying what is the monoculture of now I would say it's in terms of content those things we've listed like the big book the big film the big album but it's just sitting around and watching YouTube like you, the, the videos that you watch you have a bit more control over what you watch and everyone watches different things although billions of people do watch the same thing but the act of doing that in of itself is just oh I sat in my pants and watched YouTube today. I know you did, and I know a lot of our listeners did, mm-hmm. and a lot of the people that we see today. You know, people are doing the same thing. There's just a lot more going on. We can be enjoying a hundred different yeah. things.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing just before we do before we bring this to a close is uh, is some people point to the decline of um, importance in say award shows and things where they, they've become increasingly sort of introverted talking to smaller amounts of audiences in the industry or people talk about the Grammys being very much inwardly focused and not really having as much relevance as it used to and, and maybe certain things that win Grammys, just, just people are like, I don't really know who half these artists mm-hmm. are or Oscars, films that are getting nominated that barely anyone saw. Do you think that's any different now or, or they just have less maybe just they just have less influence these things now because again like you're saying people just have so many portals and ways to yeah. discover things they don't get to decide this was important yeah that
1: that is definitely a factor I think also well, for me personally I could not care less about the show itself I just want to wake up the next morning and go okay those films won he was the best actor I don't care about the grandiose like pompousness of the ceremony right. itself and I think People have maybe become tired of that, just like slightly vapid celebrities walking down a carpet for the sake of it thing. Um, but, oh, like, I would still use the Oscars as a guide for the films I would like to watch. I still use the book. I use the book prizes as guides for books to mm-hmm. read. Music. I think in the UK we don't follow the Grammys as much. So that doesn't really have it's, much no. impact on my life. And if you do watch the best of the Grammys, there are often are some pretty poor choices.
0: Yeah. Um, or sometimes you look back and it's it's definitely they've not stood the test of time. The things no. they gave Album of the Year to are things <laughs> that that you're like, what was that? Yeah. Like, it's
1: um, uh, yeah. But I w- I would say yes, that is definitely true. That you could just find you know a critic online or some guide or person of re- like reference that um could just give you a better yeah. summation of what to watch or what to it just go oh this is.
0: guy likes what i like this will be yeah. my sort of guide things um yeah it's uh i don't have i mean do you have an opinion on it, it obviously you you're saying it, it's not especially different so i guess um you know do you do you think there's any better or worse situation in terms of having like Shared cultural touchstones, monoculture. I guess it's a bit weird now in that now we don't have like so much. The monoculture things are almost the things that transcend your country even now. Whereas it maybe it used to be, the Sex Pistols are massive in Britain, yeah. and, or that this thing's massive here, this thing's massive in the states, and now it's almost like the monocultural things are just in, the yeah. things that absolutely everyone on
1: yeah, well, you could, the world. But, for, again, from that list, you could make the argument that there is a greater global monoculture because yeah, there were two Indian. Right. songs on there and there were two or three Puerto Rican songs writing like Spanish language music or whatever it is is kind of being watched by loads of people in the US who don't speak yeah. Spanish so um, that is is definitely an argument that could be made I think do you think it's good like having shared cultural touchstones or like things it can't be are? a bad thing I think there's um, I think it's it's not um Like prescribing to the kind of main trend monocultural touchstones doesn't preclude you from engaging with other things as well so it doesn't make it hard if it makes it easier to talk to someone about oh hey what films have you watched oh yeah that song made it to my country too and you can have that chat Yeah, that's obviously not a bad thing I think there is some great value in um, like regionally specific or sort of group or attitude specific creation of content but that's only good if you can really buy into it and you know if I can then get access to it and enjoy it otherwise I wouldn't know it existed so um, having the opportunity to enjoy like different cultural things is great yeah of course but I think uh, if you're talking about is a homogenized global similar culture a good thing then no yeah definitely not but the ability to dip in and out of all these different things with more access than previous generations had I think that's a good thing
0: yeah um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I definitely like the super niche culture where I've, I've found so many things that, that I just, I like, oh, this is my little club. Cause not me, uh, these are people who are also, but that diesel. doesn't
1: preclude you from also reading the Da Vinci code, does it? Right. No. Yeah, the um, pros should preclude you from reading the Da Vinci code.
0: But... <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Some of the <laughs> monocultural stuff can be, uh, a lot of dross. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, well, I s- urge you just... to seek out your own little niches. You know, don't just give what they take, what they feed you. Um, Pearls before swine. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of which, if you like the stuff we talk about, we've finally got. Uh, thanks to George, our Goodreads uh, recommendations list is on our SoundCloud. So if you go to the Stephen George podcast on SoundCloud, there's going to be a little icon saying Goodreads on the right-hand side of the screen. If you click that, you're going to see uh, pretty much all, all the, the books, books we've that discussed. we've mentioned on the podcast. So if you...
1: In if, reverse chronological order. Yeah, oh,
0: great. Unfortunately. Um, so if you like this little niche um, and you feel kindred spirit with our recommendations you'll probably like the books on there so so dive in um let get you to the airport let get me to the airport you got anything else to say right now no that's me happy done. That's all right done. you know summation on that topic no big statement no um okay well um that about wraps things up for the copenhagen tour uh, I'm gonna be back in the UK when we record our next one. George is going to Italy. He's heading to a wedding. Um,
1: <laughs> I and, could hear uh, the apostrophes.
0: <laughs> um, so we're gonna carry this little summer on. Uh, see you soon. Tuck. Tuck, as we say in Denmark, and uh, get yourself a pastry on us.
1: <laughs> Cheers, on guys. Us, but yeah. Cheers. Bye, bye.